Hey, this is Bez Stone. And this is Freya Dietrich. And welcome to the Infinite Relating Podcast. Hi, everyone. Hello. This episode's coming with a disclaimer. It's our first episode with a disclaimer and the first episode that Freya took notes for. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling shy. She's got her notes. Uh, She's coming in hot. <laughs> Yes, this one, the the subject today is really alive and I think in both of our systems and it's dealing with trauma and our attachment styles. Yep. And we want to say that, you know, this this whole podcast really is all about our personal experiences. Um, neither of us are trained professionals in any way. I mean, we are <laughs> trained in certain things, but we're not trained therapists. Right. We're not trained in trauma. You know, we're not trained in relationships. Like, <laughs> I I am a certified sex and relationship coach, so I mean I certainly have gone through like multiple coaching programs, but you yeah. know that's really different than being like a trauma informed professional, you know, right. psychologist or therapist or something like that. So neither of us are that. This episode in particular, but really everything we talk about is is a hundred percent from personal experience. So rather than you know informing you about our professional takes on trauma and attachment, this is instead going to be here's what I know, Bez, about my style of attachment, my wounds, my history, and how I've worked with that in my real life. Um, just, and maybe it'll help someone else, you know, who has something similar. Maybe it will inspire people in certain ways to address their own issues. But we just wanted to say that, like, we're, we're not professionals. Right, yeah. I and mean, this is a lot about, like, what is, what has maybe influenced us. There's, I know, some readings we've done. I know working as a nurse and women's health, that's influenced a lot. But again, that was experiential, not yeah. so much, yeah, trauma-specific training. So Totally. And I think that's important because a lot of people, I, I appreciate that the conversation just culturally has become more <clears throat> focused on trauma-informed care because a lot of coaches, and, you know, I'm one of them, work with people. And yet we, you know, there's certain limitations to actual, like, medical information that we have you know and I think it's really important it's important for me to say that when we start this episode because I wouldn't want to mislead anyone right know? absolutely so personal experience personal experience Where we, we have a lot of great personal experience at feeling trauma <laughs> and experiencing trauma responses we have some ideas <laughs> we, we've gone into some states uh, but yeah. yeah yeah but you know what I actually this is sort of a small tangent but I have some other health conditions and I'm a part of some Facebook groups, which I know makes sounds super dorky when I say it out loud, but actually I find them incredibly helpful to just hear what actual, you know, people who are struggling with a certain health condition or with, take a certain medication, like what their lived experiences are. Because I think there's, there's so much value to me too, that comes out of like, I'm someone who has an anxious attachment and style, for example. And here's my lived experience and here's what yes. I've done and here's how I've healed and here's what I've learned, um, which is diff- which might be different or might be similar to what sort of the medical or professional, you know, literature talks about. Absolutely. So I like, I like hearing people's lived experiences and in some of my groups, especially around medications that I take, um, you know, people are like, well, my personal experience is that this dose works well, even though all the literature says you need more. And that's just not always true. So yes. And I think that validation for me has been incredibly healing. I think even getting into attachment styles and theories, it's like, oh, I'm not like broken and uniquely fucked up. Like these are really common protective mechanisms that many of us develop. And that, yeah, that is just the validation of other people kind of going through it and getting it. Like, yeah, I just really, I, I imagine we all have a story of our we're uniquely fucked up, <laughs> and so it feels really good to to process this with other people going through it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, do I, so you you're an anxious attacher, is that? I am. Yeah, I think if I have to, I mean, I've taken the tests online, or there's some tests <laughs> online, and I think I came out like half anxious, a quarter avoidant, and a quarter secure. And I think I do have a lot of secure attachment. Um, strategies that I use and but but definitely for me historically except in one relationship where he was more anxious than me and then I became avoidant Mm. in all my other relationships if when shit hits the fan I'm an anxious attached person yeah maybe I should start by saying for for anyone who hasn't you know studied attachment theory um the the different styles that they speak to are the anxious or preoccupied attacher Mm -hmm. um the avoidant and then 
the disorganized, which has a combination of both of those attributes. Mm-hmm. And for me, I am disorganized. So depending on the relationship or interaction I'm in, I might be anxious, I might be avoidant, or often I will, st- I will start feeling anxious and then my avoidant will come in and rescue me. Uh, so I can get really, I can have a really fun internal tug of war. And then there's <laughs> what we're all hoping to be is securely attached, mm. um, which I feel like nobody lives in secure attachment 100% of the time. Do they? I don't know if that's true. Do I mean, people I remember like... reading the book Attached, and they were like, 50% of the population is secure. And I was like, no way. <laughs> Are <laughs> you kidding me? Like, 50%? We just don't hang out with those people. <laughs> really? I was going to say, who are those people? And that doesn't mean, okay, I think it's important <laughs> to distinguish because I actually had some, what I judged to be securely attached roommates recently. And um, I observed their relationship. They were a couple and I would watch them and be like, wow, that's, that's how you speak directly. That's how you talk about <laughs> your needs openly. That's how you express your fear and your insecurity, even in a direct way. And I think that that's the distinction for me. And as I'm working towards earned secure attachment, which mm-hmm. might be a subcategory, is like, yeah, that's, I have sort of, you know, people think attachment might come from childhood trauma, adult relationship trauma, you know, some, something from our past um, that was traumatic enough that we now have, tra- I mean, it's a trauma response is what attachment wounds are. And I would watch them. And so it doesn't mean secure attachment for me and as I'm earning it doesn't mean that I'm never anxious or I don't have needs or that I don't have conflict I watch them have all those things Mm. it's just that I would speak I'm learning to speak about it in a very direct way because the one of the hallmarks of anxious attachment at least which is the one I know the most about is speaking indirectly and manipulating to get our needs met as opposed to just saying you know hey I'm feeling insecure about tonight because I noticed we don't have concrete plans about timing and I'd like to get clear on the timing so that I know when you'll be home right is like a secure way of saying it which I would observe these housemates of mine do and I when I was jaw dropped at the time (laughs) because I was in a relationship and we were living together um where I was running incredible incredible anxious energy and I will say as a quick aside I never identified with being an anxious person ever like I'm kind of like a badass type of personality <laughs> like I feel very confident I feel very strong strength is like a huge um important you know value of mine and the first time one of my therapists years ago told me I was anxiously attached I was like no way I'm not anxious you know like right, what are you talking right. about and she said okay well then another way to say that to talk about anxious attachment is that you're the pursuer in relationships Ooh. And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) pursuer, distancer. It's another way of talking about the anxious avoidant trap where one person is constantly like after it, you know, like we need to talk, we need to clear this up. Like, where are you? Like, let's hang out. Like, you know, we need to address this issue. Let's tackle it. Let's get through it. Like, come on, babe. Immediately, right now. I have to, yeah, urgency. And then the other person's like, whoa. So yeah, Yeah. so that's, um, so so I, I actually think people hang out in secure attachment. Yeah, I do. I think they do. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all the time? I think 70%? so. 70%? I think so. That yeah. gives me so much more hope for the way. <laughs> I, I want to know where these communities of people I are. Know. That There's that many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't say, but, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I do. I mean, I know. And, and like I said, being securely attached doesn't mean that someone would never, you know, have feelings or never yeah. struggle. Yeah. But it's more that, like, the trauma uh, that caught that sort of trauma response that would spurn that attachment style doesn't come up for them maybe as often maybe ever I will say I feel I get I I feel more securely attached this last year than I ever have and I have moments where I'm like oh my god this is it this is secure attachment even every moment stays and I guess I feel like it is getting there it is getting easier to directly ask totally so Um, yeah let's talk about that like what are some you know I think that's what I would love to do in this episode for to start at least is like what strategies have really worked for us just as individuals, you know, that we've actually done. Because I think that that's, like, again, this lived experience. Well, what what <laughs> what works now versus what we used to... Yeah, I think, well, now, I, I think it's been really empowering to, know, to, like, recognize this. I think it's easy to get caught up. I think we've talked about this before. Like, you can get caught up and then you define yourself and you're like, oh, I'm this, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be with an avoidant again, or I'm not. And really, it, that, I don't think that doesn't serve us. What served me, it was re- for me, it was uh, reading Polysecure, the, like the first half of it. I yeah. thought it just did a really great job of not only addressing attachment theory, but like how it relates to our adult relationships and how we relate to each other. And being able to see and catch myself in this, I'll catch myself in this, like, I start to get anxious. I start thinking about, you know, what they're doing and how they're thinking and, 
and are they, you know, are they mad at me? Or are they wanting this? Or are they wanting closest? Or are they wanting to pull away? And it's, it's again, about managing their experience as opposed mm-hmm. to mine. And then it, when I start to feel That's that. so important. It's so important. That's yeah. what comes up every time. Yes. Is, at any time I'm out of my own experience, I'm, I'm in trouble. And so, the, but then that, that other part of me, that avoidant will like swoop in and like feel this anxious energy and the avoidant that's the one where we're like okay fuck him I'm not speaking to him anymore because he made me anxious of course it's always his fault this is never me because I'm perfect (laughs) (laughs) but he made me feel this way I'm scared and now I'm gonna run away I'm gonna move away never talk to him again like that so that is like this tug of war pattern I have and so just knowing that that's there and being able to like recognize it and catch myself and and even give it permission and like compassion like okay yeah here's these parts of me that need are needing safety for whatever reason and it's okay because these parts have kept me safe they might have done it in a really dysfunctional way in the past Mm -hmm. but they did keep me safe in past relationships so just acknowledging that has been really helpful loving that part giving it some spaciousness and and then speaking to it has been what I've been noticing with Lee too he's been really great too where I, I remember like early on like he came to me one day and he's like, I, I'm feeling avoidant. I want to run away. Yeah. And I was I like, wow. Mm. Like, thank you for letting me know. And then that, and then, I, and then I can get like, that's him taking care of himself and I can give him spaciousness that he needs. Where if he had just like pulled away without saying anything, that anxious part of me would have like swooped in like, what's wrong? What do we, how do we fix this? How do I yeah. support this? But so just like acknowledging like, Hey, this is coming up. And so that's what by him modeling, I've been able to do. I've been able to share like, Okay, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm creating this story. I'm creating this anxious story. Yeah. Um, or I'm, and then he'll be like, oh, do you want to talk about it? And maybe I do. And sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not ready to talk about it. But just like being able to tell you that I'm creating this anxious story. Or I'm feeling really avoided and I want to move away. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he's been amazing with that too. He's like, great. He's like, take as much time as you need. Run away. Take care of yourself. I'll uh, be here loving you when so you come good. back. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, I think it's just the power of awareness. Like it's not running the show anymore those attachment styles are still there, <clears throat> but they're, yeah, they're not in charge. Mm-hmm. I, this more maybe secure version of me is in charge. And I think that's where I'm like, gosh, people live there all the time. Cause for me, I feel like it's, for me, it's like there are different parts of me. And the more I'm aware, the more practice I get in this, the more that secure part of me actually gets to be in charge yeah, and run totally. the show. But those other parts, they still get to like, I'm still loving them and giving them space to be. And a big part of that, that I've been noticing this week is, um, is Lee's been loving me there and loving mm. all these parts too. And so it's like, Oh, I don't have to, that like harsh judgment voice isn't coming in so hard. Cause it's yeah. like, we're loving, we're loving all of me together. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. Really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. It feels really, really healing. And, and this is like one of those pieces where I, I've been saying for years and I'm saying it even more now as, as, different wounds are coming up and trauma that I really, um, I, I didn't like to even acknowledge that I had, I just like, that was so far behind. I just, I'm done with it. I don't need to worry about it, but I really believe we are designed to heal in relationship. And that doesn't necessarily mean romantic relationship or partnership relationship, but we're just the way we are as, as humans, we're designed to heal together. The wounds happened in connection and relationship and the way to heal them is in connection and relationship. And, connecting deeper and getting um allowing someone to see me on these deeper levels is allowing me go into these darker spaces and these wounds Mm -hmm. that I couldn't go alone yeah yeah totally yeah I was just talking to a friend about that the other day like why does why does the stuff only get healed in relationship you know like it gets triggered by relationship and it gets healed in intimate relationships. And I think that's really true right it makes sense because that's where that wounding comes from it was like how we attach to our first attachment figures be our parents or family or romantic but it was like that need for love that need to be seen that need to be safe and for some some way or became fractured yeah some small or big way and, and like the way to repair that inner like somatically inner nervous system to is is to do it with another person yeah totally yeah yeah I remember um I love I love what you're saying because like I think the power of just naming something you know without mm-hmm before we even know how to fix it or what to do because I think for me as you know a super competent personality type person that likes to have their shit together and know what they're doing um it's been naming it without knowing 
the answer yet has yeah. been really impactful for me because normally I would prefer to you know present my partner with the whole package like I already figured this out <laughs> and I already know what I need right and I'm having this trigger and now I'm you know here's what I need and here's like the neat like you know version of how you can help me and it's gonna be great you know right and I think for me um, I've been doing this more what you're talking about with trauma and I haven't really thought about it in terms of anxious attachment or not but within my current relationship I've been having you know in any it's really any relationship it's not you know, this one in particular, but whenever I get close to someone to certain degrees of closeness, I'll have trauma come up um, that I don't think I'm going to go into detail or want to go into detail about the source of my trauma here on the podcast, but I'll just say that it comes up for me um, as I get more intimate with people. And literally what some of the life-changing things that I've done recently, um, well, I want to talk about infinite relating to in a second, but just in this current relationship is Literally, I'll just raise my hand and I'll be like, I'm in a trauma response. Really? I, will. I don't know there's a hand raising. Yeah, I love because that. I don't know, because that just kind of is like, <laughs> whoa, I'm in a trauma response. And I remember the first time I noticed this, you know, I've been working on it with my therapist because I'm one of those people too that was like, I don't have a childhood. I don't have a past. The past is over. Why would I ever look at it? There's absolutely no point. You know, like there's no point. Yeah, there's no warning signs yeah. there at all. And it's just like, <laughs> right. I was like... I, all I can do is impact the now and right, the future. So, right. like, fuck that, you know? I get it. So this is very recent for me in the last <laughs> couple of years that I'm even willing to admit that anything happened, not even that anything bad happened, but that anything happened at, at all. all. <laughs> that I had a life before right now. Um, so I've been working with, with my therapist about this and all this stuff. And so starting to notice, like, oh, when I'm going into a trauma response, I start to dissociate. I have desires to self-harm. I have, like, these certain triggers that I notice um that I've had to really or I've gotten the opportunity to really like hone in on so that I can sense that something something is happening that's from my past that is you know that's getting triggered right now right um and so just being able to and embarrassingly self-harm is a huge one for me so like if I notice that impulse that's what I, I literally remember the first time I did it with Max we were on a camping trip and I had, and like, I think the intimacy was just too high. Like we were alone, you know, and, and we hadn't gone on vacation together yet. I don't think. And we had had a great night and we were like in this beautiful location and my nervous system just had a really had difficulty with that, right. um, with sort of the ease and the normalcy. And that's, we've talked about this, I think very common for people with attachment issues or trauma, trauma history is like when things get easy and stable you feel very uncomfortable which right. probably doesn't make sense to someone that hasn't felt that way but if you have you know exactly what we're talking <laughs> about and I had this desire to like you know self-harm and so I just woke him up in the morning because it was early and I got up to pee or something and I woke him up and I literally raised my hand oh. and was like I'm in a trauma oh, response so cute. <laughs> and I was so proud of myself because just to be able to say that yeah um, and I had no idea what to do I didn't have a plan I didn't know how to get out of it I didn't know what to ask him for, you know, it, right. I had no idea how to, how to cope with it, but just being able to say, like you're saying, like Lee said, I'm feeling avoided and I might want to run away. No solution yet, but just to be able to clue our partners into that. Um, yeah. And of course, Max was great. He like bolted up out of bed and was like, what do you need? Like, can I hold you? Like, you know, okay. Do you want to just breathe together? Do you need some grounding? Like he thought fucking awesome. So, yeah. um, yeah, the naming it, I like that as kind of our first shared thing that we've both done is like just being able to name it. And I think without a solution for me is really important. I think without that's it, the yeah. The like time. giving space for like just because I'm naming it doesn't mean I know how to fix it or I don't even want to fix it. I don't want to try to fix it because I think like that's the part of it too is like the permission to not have to fix it right now. Like maybe I just need to be in this for a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. like kind of just peel back the layers of the onion one layer at a time. Like, I don't know. Totally. And feel things that our previous self that wasn't safe mm. weren't allowed to feel. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think I'm noticing like when something comes up like that, it's like, oh, it wasn't safe for me to feel this at the time. I had to shut it down. I had to protect. And so now maybe just just being with it and feeling it, which means we can't do anything about it just yeah. other than let it be. And I just want to, I wanted to make a point too that 
just I, I want to like be able to separate not we all you know there's, we all have some type of attachment pattern and many of us have different attachment wounds and there's I think many people can relate to the anxious avoidant that doesn't necessarily mean it comes from trauma mm. and I don't think I think it comes from wounding but I just I think I like I know for me I avoided the word trauma for so long I didn't want to be associated with it sure. um, and so I just want people to be like relate mm-hmm. wherever it feels relevant even if you don't feel yourself someone who has trauma in your past you might still have some attachment wounds that are coming up and affecting your relationships and for me what's helped me um, really differentiate and allow myself to accept that yes I am I do have trauma I was in a really long relationship with um, an addict with a lot of emotional abuse that I am just now being out of the relationship for like 12 years. I'm just now being able to say out loud, mm-hmm. uh, acknowledge because I think, um, I had so much of the story of like, I'm probably making it up. It isn't real. It yeah. isn't, I'm exaggerating. And I'm like, no, this it keeps coming up. So it must be real. Yeah. Um, but it, what helped me just even ex, like look at it was to differentiate I called it like big T and little T Mm. you know I wasn't in a war I wasn't I wasn't in like what the things to me that I thought were big T trauma I have little T trauma and from somebody else they might see mine and go oh no that's big but whatever it's just like it allowed it softened it for me to be like oh I just have little T trauma but whatever it still affects me now that I can actually call it what it is and look at it I can deal with it and know like you said like when you go into these these triggered trauma states um, I don't, I, there's a lot of times for me, there's nothing to do, but just acknowledge it and kind of just allow it to wash over me. I cannot problem solve. I think I've called you before mm-hmm. in, in this state and you're like, you're not going to, you're not going to solve your problem right now. Like yeah. the way you're thinking is not rational. Right. You are just in like wounded, hurt, protective mode. And, and that, that statement alone has mm-hmm. given me so much more spaciousness and compassion for my process. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's because otherwise I'm like beating myself up and I'm trying to wrap myself around, head around it and I'm trying to fix it or I'm reaching out to other people totally. to try to fix it. And I'm like, in that state, no, I can't. Yeah. Right. Cause you're a child. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I know, or, or I am at least. I'm yeah. Myself. Like, yeah. Yeah. When I'm really in that really dissociated, really fucked up response, like, yeah, I'm literally a child and a child doesn't know how to solve adult problems. Right. So, yeah, yeah, and all the and all the tools and resources that I am like I'm really proud of myself. Like I have access to now. I've I've learned so much and I've grown so much. I those are not available to me at all. No. Like you're right because I'm not I'm not adult Freya. I'm like child yeah. or much younger version of me. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like for me, infinite relating a lot has been supporting this so much because I'm living in a world now, and I'd say we are too. Yeah. That. Um, where we're not so we're not focused on the outcome of the yes. relationship. We're more getting more we're like training our nervous systems to get more comfortable in the unknown where you know I could be having this response and not know what to do about it, not know where it's going to lead me. I think I hid my trauma responses from other partners because I was like, oh, that is the moment that that part comes out, the relationship's over. That's how it felt mm, for me. Yes. Like, yes. I have to, like, the whole game of the relationship is to forestall my trauma response happening <laughs> for as long as possible. Because once yeah. they see it, they're, they're late, they'll leave, you know, because it's, it feels crazy to me, you know, and yeah. I have in past done a lot of crazy stuff um, while triggered. Yeah. And, and not, not realized it, not, I mean, and I've been in a triggered state, like a truly triggered state for, you know, long periods of time even, and been in crisis mode and not even realized it and just been, yeah, very difficult to, to, um, to be with, you know, because I didn't understand what was going on. Right. And so I think for me, like there's something about infinite relating, not having a goal, not having, and not being about the outcome, it being really just like wading through the water in real time and being like, you know, having that kind of step-by-step way of moving in my, in my body already has yeah. made working with trauma and attachment. Um, it's actually like lowered the stakes a little yeah. bit, you know, yeah. where it's not like, oh God, I have anxious attachment. Therefore I can never date an avoidant person. You know, yeah. I have to, I have to whatever, like, you know, do all these other things so that I can, so that someone can be with me. And instead it's like, it's just loosened it for me a lot um, so that I can stay more present in real time and really be in this state of the unknown. Like, um, 
I remember at the beginning of really working on infinite relating with you, I was like, I don't think I care what attachment style anyone is anymore. I remember anymore. you saying yeah. that, yeah. And I was like, really? Wow. Yeah. Because, because it's, it's kind of a buzz right now, so we're yeah. all talking about it, yeah. and it seems really important. Right, and like avoid, av- avoid, ironically. You're going <laughs> to avoid. Avoid, avoid, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of this meme going around. Yeah. It's like, oh, if he's avoidant, like run the other way. And I mean. Right. Like. That's, I mean, that was like the, the idea with Lee. It was like, oh, he's avoidant. He's not available. And, and as I keep saying to him, because then that was his story too. He's like, yeah, women have been telling me I'm avoidant. And so right. I'm like, yeah, that's who you are. But I was like, gosh, I haven't, that's a, that's an interesting story and I can see where it comes from, but I haven't been experiencing it in that way, or at least in the, not in a way that he's not owning it. And he's like able to say like, I feel like running away. Like, okay, right. but this is, it's not. It doesn't define who you are and your ability to be in any type of relationship. Right, right. and it's not, like, bad. Like, I feel yeah. like avoidance has this stereotype, at least in, in from what I feel about, like, on social media and stuff, where it's, like, avoidant people are, like, bad. It's, like, right. oh, they have trauma. It's the same fucking thing. Right. Like, they just have a different type of trauma. Or they have even maybe the same trauma, but the way their system reacted to it right. was different than an anxious person. And it's almost, like... Yeah, I feel like avoidance has been really demonized to the point where as if it can't also be healed, as if it's not also difficult. I remember having a conversation with an avoidant girlfriend and she was like, it sucks. Like, I don't know if I'm capable of love. Like, I want to love so deeply and yet my trauma won't let me. Like, it won't let my, I can't, I don't even know if I can feel my heart. I don't know if I've ever felt my heart. Like, and this is really, you know, this is, it just is, I feel like infinite relating really humanizes every person and there's since we're getting rid of like the stereotypes and the labels and all that stuff, I guess I've started seeing it that way instead of hunting for like, okay, what type is this person and are they compatible with me or not? It's more like what behaviors are they engaging in? What behaviors do I engage in? Like, how am I showing up? How are they showing up? Like that's actually what matters. And, you know, and trusting myself, I think is, is the huge thing. I trust myself if I'm with this person, I'm with Lee, and I feel like he's pulling away to the point where it doesn't, I doesn't feel like I'm being loved or honored or can ask for what I need, then I trust myself to, to figure out a way to deal with that for myself, mm-hmm. either whether, you know, direct request and get it, or take myself out, but like, take myself out of the relationship, not, <laughs> um, <laughs> take myself, but, <laughs> but, but it's so much like, like, I can handle I can handle complex people and complex relationships. Yeah. That, that, that trust feels really important that if, if I get into this relationship and I fall in love with somebody and all of a sudden I find out they're avoidant and like, I know I have, we have tools and we will either figure it out together or we'll figure it out apart. Right. But it's not like, Oh no, now I'm trapped with this avoidant and I'm going to be chasing (coughs) the rest of my life. Right. I mean, yes, I did that for a very long time, but I, 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 I finally learned. Yeah that lesson now I just have all the rest to learn yeah (laughs) yeah and I really think it's because of you know this principle of infinite relating too that's like letting the relationship be what it is part of it is like I'm drawn to this person I love this person I feel attracted to this person I don't know what the right relationship between us is yet we're going to explore a little we're going to see it's going to evolve you know we're going to feel into it It, instead of like writing it off like you were saying like oh he's avoidant so I'm not going near it to instead be like, well, there's energy here, there's something here, and I trust that I'm not going to go too far, that I'm going to stay, or I, I mean, I will go too far, but then I'll so, come back. Correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, self-correction. I'm such a huge fan of, self, of like self-correcting on my own and also leaving plenty of space for my partner to self-correct and to trust that that's how humans operate. Yeah. Like, we're going to go too far. And, and if someone chronically doesn't self-correct, then I know they've made, they're, they're choosing something that might not be in alignment with me right. on a romantic level or maybe even a friendship level or maybe... Yeah, it's perfectly acceptable to be like, I don't want this person in my life at all right now. Right. So all the options are available. And it's, it's for me, it's been very liberating to just not worry about that attachment style or, you know, not, and instead go with my felt sense of this person in the moment and how we're both behaving, what our values seem to be, how I feel around them. Right. Um, I think tuning in with my own sensations and emotions has been so crucial for... Yes trusting my own navigation in relationship as opposed to like you were saying watching his behavior and this was a huge aha for me when someone taught me I think it was Hannah Taylor again Mm. we talked about last time I think maybe it was the first post I ever saw of hers where she was talking about um 
She's on Facebook. She's great. Yeah, Fowler. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about red flags and red flags being my behavior as opposed yeah. to his. So instead of constantly monitoring, well, is he calling me back and how's he showing up and, you know, what's he doing? It's like, well, how do I feel? Do I feel anxious? Do I feel relaxed around him? Like, yes. Am I engaging in weird behaviors that, that those are red flags for me? You know, yes. that's, that's the red flag. Not, it's not about him. Like to instead tune in with how, how am I feeling? How am I showing up? Like what, what behaviors am I engaged with and looking at those instead? Yes. Um, I think that that was a big turning point for me too, because yeah. it's, because we're, we're, we're never going to control their behavior. We're never going to correct their behavior, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. That is, we are not in control of that. So it's, it's, I'm not trying to find the perfect fixer upper, which is, I feel like what right. we're taught. We're yeah. taught so much. Instead, I'm trying to find who am I resonating with? Who, who does it feel good to be around in any interaction? And, and if, if I'm feeling it in my system that this isn't feeling right for whatever reason, I want, that's, that's my information. Yeah. And is this something that, that I can, ha- you know, have a direct request and we can, process or is this something that's like it's repeated behavior or I'm repeatedly like anxiously chasing my, chasing my tail and managing like what are they doing what is it like to right. me it's like maybe maybe the way they relate as a person and I think this is a big thing not making them wrong not making me wrong totally the way they behave in the world isn't wrong but it maybe isn't right for me yes absolutely and I think that is the big thing is like if we can get rid of this like judgment based system of like I never have to make anybody wrong again myself or anyone else it's just like does this resonate does this align does this work totally right and how often we've we've done ourselves and observed other people friends try to make the wrong person behave in a certain way so they become right (laughs) you know what I mean like like when you said, well, they're not wrong. So sorry, I just did the whole thing. You, just said, <laughs> you were saying they're just not right for me. They're not right for me, yeah. exactly. But how often I've seen someone try to make someone right for them, and how yeah. much I've done that. We're oh like, well, it's, you know, it's so close. And if this one thing could change, like then, then they'd be right for me. And I'm just gonna buy them the right book. It'll be fine. Yeah. We'll go to that one workshop, and yeah. they and they'll get it. My one guy friend who gets it is gonna talk to my oh. boyfriend, and he's gonna he's gonna teach him. <laughs> it's it's I laugh because we I've done it and yeah. it's so sneaky and we we're fine we think we've got it and then we catch mm-hmm. ourselves saying these things mm-hmm. yeah and it's again like we can say those and we go into those moments and then laugh at ourselves and go oh my god I'm doing it yeah. is this working for me yeah what what works for me yeah and I think the 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 biggest thing for me has been to I think we talked about this on a previous podcast but it's been so essential for me and it's pretty mind blowing every time which is that when if someone's engaging in behaviors that don't work for me, I can turn away from them. Yeah. I can disengage. Like that's actually the power. That's the maybe only power that I have in that situation. And you and I were talking about this recently, I think, um, because of something that came up for you where I had a, an ex years and years ago um, who was a wonderful person, but lost his temper one day. And I have a lot of trauma around violent men and angry men. Um, that turns into violence. And so he was mad. And my response is always to just run towards it. Like without even thinking, I grew up thinking it was my job to like appease angry men. And so I would, you know, went in there, even though he was being physically, not to, not physical, this ex-partner toward me, but just towards some items in the room. (laughs) And, and, but it was about me. It was a fight we were having. And I, um, Felt, I just, without even thinking, I just moved towards him, was like, I can help you with this, you know, we can manage, like, whoa, calm down, anything, you right. know, and it was really, really harmful for me, and I remember calling a girlfriend after, pretty hysterical, and, because of course that didn't work, and he stormed away, and then, then my anxious attachment kicks in, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta chase after him, and fix this, you know, because if, it, if I don't fix this, then the trauma response goes, he's gonna hurt me, he's gonna kill me, whatever the sort of primal fear is, that at least comes up for me. Yeah. And, um, and we were talking too how that's like wired in, in a lot of sort of feminine DNA also because of the like hundreds of thousands of year history we have and with, you know, sex yeah. dynamics. So anyway, I remember talking to a girlfriend afterwards and she was like, Bez, if ever you're afraid of a man, your job is to just get away, put the kids in the car, get away, like yeah. just drive away, like get yourself to safety and then you can deal with it. And I was like, what? <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> like you could just get in the car and leave. Yeah. If he's really mad, you can just walk away. Like you don't have to try to fix it. You don't have to try to like 
yeah. appease the beast so that, yeah. you know, he doesn't do any, like, I just was jaw dropping to me. And so that's like sort of a more extreme example of something that I embody really all the time now, which is like, does that feel good or does it not, you know? And if it feels good, I move towards it. And if it doesn't feel good, I move towards myself. You know, I, yeah. move, I turn away. Like that's. It's, and yeah. it's back to that self-management of it's, it's, it's actually okay. It's, it's preferred. It's, it's optimal for you to take care of yourself first. Yeah. And, and that I have, I have the same training and the same. And when you shared that with me, I had the same response. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Which is like so funny because I can apply self-management in all the other scenarios, but where this trauma response is that, yeah, I will turn on the charm. I will get involved. Mm. I'm going to smile. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to try to make everybody feel good and, and put myself in, in harm's smooth way, it over. smooth it over. Yeah. So everything's fine to be safe. But really, it's actually okay for me to self-manage even in this moment yeah. and just get out. Yep. And and that might change the dynamic of what's happening as well. Totally. But, but that's actually not my responsibility. Yep. My responsibility is my experience, my safety, and, and, and trusting that the infinite relationships that we're in, if we're in some type of heightened situation that makes us feel unsafe and uncomfortable because of our past wounding... If I self-manage by getting, by going away or getting out of that situation, if this relationship with this person is, is aligned, we will, we will repair together and it will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that is the, the other piece that's really totally. important is that trusting that, um, that we both, we both trust each other's sovereignty. We both trust each other's ability to self-manage and like their autonomy that we want to give them to do that. And that, if, if there's still resonance, if there's still value for both of it, we're going to come together and repair. Right. Right. And if we don't, that's really great information. It's really you know? great. Even though it's hard. It doesn't. And that's the thing. It's, I want to acknowledge too. It still hurts. It still yeah. sucks. It does suck. When things aren't like, we just say it so flippantly like, Oh, it's not a line. I'm just going to walk away. Great. Right. Whatever. No, it's still like the heartbreak still hurts. And mm. it still sucks when things that you, you were excited about fall apart. Yeah. But it hurts so much more to betray ourselves over and yeah. over again to say in something that doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think all these moves are possible because, again, of this, for me at least, like this detaching of outcome, this sense of like, it's not my job to make this relationship work. It's not, it's not my job to like, you know, that success only means that we make it the long haul or we get married or yeah, yeah, whatever, that we last, you know, like that, that, if that, that's not really the goal. And when that's the goal... I think that's part of has been the problem for me in previous relationship styles, which was that I would self-sacrifice over and over again yeah. because the ultimate goal was to stay together. You know, right. and if we're supposed to stay together, if that's my ultimate goal. Then, well, I'm going to have to, you know, do some compromising on the yeah. way. I'm going to have to pull these maneuvers so that I manage the experience and try to lower the intensity and like yeah. stay in it, even if it's even if it's harming me. I mean, we've both done that. Absolutely. You know? And so there's yeah, just like unpeeling that ultimate outcome you know and instead the out instead the goal is like being present with what is yeah and sort of with curiosity seeing seeing where it wants to go um stewarding it and if it's if it's getting real shitty to be like cool like this is like you said I'll say cool now but it does hurt <laughs> it does yeah but I have found for me there is like a self there is a feeling of selfhood that's been happening when I have been turning towards myself and I have been making hard calls mm-hmm. um that feels really good yeah you know that does actually have me feel less like a victim of a relationship that failed and more like empowered yes and, you know and I, I felt that um since really starting infinite relating even with small you know little things that I've said to Max even though we we haven't we've only had like one really big conflict in our six months together um that was like whoa <laughs> you know like the the scary kind where you're like really this might shift things yeah, yeah totally um and then we had lots of little conflicts but so yeah we have so we've just had the one of those and this wasn't even wasn't even that um but I think there is something where I can rest in in my knowing that I'm taking care of myself that I'm being true to my values you know, that I'm, I'm within my boundaries that yes. does have yes. it be like, well, that sucks. It's going to, it sucks if we're not aligned here. Cause I really love you and I really like you. And I was really hoping for something and I'm going to go cry for several months for yeah. sure. And I'm, and I'm sitting with this solidity. That's like, I know I'm, I know that I'm 
I'm, I've reached a point where to compromise on this, like you said, would be self-betrayal and self-harm. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, so I do think that that's, that's better than my previous strategy was to just grind it out for as long as possible, oh usually until it got so bad that one of us would finally leave. And that really sucked. And that would sometimes take years. Oh, yes. Exactly. Like, it was like, wow, this was like two years too long that I ground that out, you know? And and I feel like when I look at that, look back, it's to me, it was like I was in self-betrayal for two Mm -hmm. years or however long. And that, and learning, like, learning that, yes, disappointing someone else or the idea of betraying someone else, like that sucks and it's hard and it's painful and there's so much self-judgment, but it's, it's even more devastating to disappoint or betray myself. And it's like, I have to choose the lesser pain of maybe letting somebody else down so that at all costs I'm taking care of myself. And I think that has been a big shift in that of like, yeah, yeah, because the long haul, the long haul relationship, the only relationship that lasts forever in this is right. with myself. Totally. Like that's the only one that's guaranteed. So yeah. I really have to, I really want to take good care of me. And, yeah. and the more I take care of me and the more I love me and the more I honor who I am, the better all my relationships are. Yep. But it is, yeah, it's a, it's a shift in that thinking of like, oh, yeah. I am actually the most important part of this relationship. Right. And, and I expect my partner to think the same. Yeah. Like, at, at the end of the day, like... Right. Yeah, that we've got ourselves as a yeah. important piece. Yeah, and that makes me think of one of the um, strategies that I've used that I think has really supported me for anyone else who's anxious, has anxious attachment tendencies or just anxiety in general um, in relationships, which is... I would say there's many strategies to use. And this is just one of them that I have recently learned is true for me. And it's, again, it's just one of many. Um, but a lot, I think it's confusing because a lot of the teachings out there and, and it's true are like, you know, if you're feeling anxious in a relationship, like get reassurance, you know, mm. like ask your partner for reassurance. And that's, like I said, that's a move that's really important, you know, and there's a time and a place for that. But as someone who has runs anxious attachment, I have learned that for me, I actually am extremely careful about asking for reassurance because reassurance can be like a drug almost. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that my addiction to it (laughs) becomes, it it escalates very quickly. Interesting. And I played this out in a relationship, you know, years ago, it was a short relationship, but it was very powerful. And I, it was, I really learned a lot about my attachment wounds in that like we were dating, I guess, more than it being a relationship. But um, I remember it was the first time I think I was willing to ask for reassurance because, again, being kind of a tough-ass personality, I was like, I'm not going to ask for reassurance. It's crazy. You know, like, that's so embarrassing. And it's vulnerable. Yeah. vulnerable. Yeah, like, I'm not going to admit that I'm anxious about anything. I'm just going to, like, hunt you down and yell at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that feels much safer. Totally. He probably had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember seeking reassurance, and I was like, wow amazing and then 12 hours later I was like I need more six hours later I was like I need more and then it became like literally minutes where he would be like I love you I'm here I'm not going anywhere and like three minutes later I was like where did he go you know and I needed more (laughs) and so I really I really see it as like a highly controlled substance for Mm. for certain of us and for some people this may not resonate at all but if it does even for one person for me it's been super helpful is that like a controlled substance that I have to be really really conscious of how I use it yeah. Because if I'm start getting in that, what it does is that it feeds the anxious part of me. And like you were saying, I think at the beginning of this episode, you know, one of the one of the moves that you've done is that re- recognizing that the anxious part or the reactive part is just one of many yeah. and that your secure part can kind of take over. And so once I started seeing that too for myself, like my anxious part is one of like thousands of parts inside of me. And we love internal family systems, parts work. If you don't know it, look it up. It's super helpful or find a therapist that does it. It's amazing. And the idea is basically that, you know, we're made up of many personalities, personas, parts that all perform different jobs and they're all after our safety, but they can, they can seek safety in some counterproductive really ways dysfunctional, yeah. and some very functional ways yes. we have like parts that are you know really helping us and then parts that are trying to help but like <laughs> mm, they're not quite helping so I see the anxious part is one of those and like you know it's there for a good reason it's actually smart and that it's looking for security 
but its way of getting security doesn't work. Um, yeah. It doesn't work on its own. It needs some other parts to come in and say, oh, we're anxious. We probably need something. You know, maybe I, I probably, need, I mean, I need something if I'm anxious. But the reassurance, actually, I learned, for me at least, only ever feeds the anxious part. Mm. The anxious part is like, I need some love. And then it's like, here's some love. And then it can only ever be anxious. That's all it ever does. Like, its only job is to be anxious, and it doesn't ever change. Right. So feeding it, like, just makes it bigger. Right. And then it's like, I need more love. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, I need more love. <laughs> and it just becomes huge. And then it ends up taking me over. And for me, what's actually been more helpful is to not seek reassurance right away um, and really ha- reassure myself, which sounds so cheesy, but it's really, really real. Yeah. Um, and one of the first things that I do is I shrink my anxious part in my mind or, you know, however you, if you had to visualize something or for me, it's sort of energetic, but like in my mind, I'll say I shrink the anxious part and then I look at all the other parts there and I don't mm. name them. I don't have to know who they are. But I see like thousands of other parts of me sort of in a field together, let's say. And then there's one anxious part. And I'm like, okay, that, that's just one tiny part of me. Wow. That is kind of blown up out of proportion right now. But what's true is like the vast majority of me is feeling totally different than this one part. But that one part is very, very, very loud. Yeah. So I realized that reassurance for that part actually needs to come from me. Um, it actually does the best when, yeah, it comes from me and my sort of higher self or comes from another part that can comfort the anxious part, which is kind of fun if you're into like tripping out internally, which I am. <laughs> it's kind of cool to be like, wow, who's in there? And yeah. like, who can comfort the anxious part right now? And, um, and then I would seek reassurance from another location in myself so that, you know, instead I've, I've thought it through. I'm really into self-management. I think because I have anxious attachment issues, it's actually often really good for me to right. do a little bit of self-management first. Um, and then I think what that does is it gets me out of the voice, that child voice of the anxiety that can never be, she can never be, um, helped by external never forces. Be satiated, yeah, yeah. Never, never satiated. Yeah. And I, I think what I'm feeling feels really helpful for this is when I, when I'm feeling this anxious part of me come up or the strongly avoidant, I also, I often, the way I want to resolve it is to judge it, mm. which, you know, <laughs> if I just so judge her, yeah, really effective, <laughs> just beat myself up, beat her into submission. <laughs> but and so, but instead of judging it, um, kind of like allowing it and seeing that as part of you. And then mm-hmm. that investigation and inquiry to the, all the other parts of you, mm-hmm. when I can see that, oh, it's just part of like the vastness that is me, that that judgment gets to be relieved. And then I get to go into inquiry like, wow, why am I doing this? Yes. You know, what am I needing? And what are these other? And I feel like self-inquiry and is part of that self-management that it just, it, it's really tra- been transformative for Absolutely. me. And, but it, I have to get, it's like judgment is always blocking me. Like the judgment comes up first and I have to get like under that and be like, oh no, like what, what is under here? Because those parts have kept us safe. Yeah. You know, like there was, like I said, there was a purpose. Sometimes they, they had a, had a function and, and they just kind of got out of, yeah out of balance. Yeah. Um, I know we're getting towards the end, but I want to kind of come back to, um, so you were on the camping trip mm-hmm. and you were triggered. Yeah. I want to hear like, how did you move through that trigger? How did you resolve or how, or that, or maybe not even that particular one, but, but what for you, like when you get to that heightened state and you know, you're there, like what, what have you found? You raise your hand yeah, and, and let them know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is important. We were chatting a little bit about this before we started recording that there's different uses of the word trigger. And I've really come to respect this now now that I'm recognizing my trauma and actually what it feels like to actually be triggered in like a psychological way as opposed to like, oh, I'm mad, I'm upset. Because people will often say the word trigger and they'll mean like, you piss me off or you... Yeah, and now you need to fix this. Yeah, yeah, like I'm triggered. I have have a trigger about triggers. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's really different than what I... So yeah, I have stopped using that word really, for me at least, except when I'm actually triggered, which means that a previous thing has gotten hit inside of me and I'm now right back in that traumatic moment. Yes. Um, even though I'm here. And for me, it often has a lot of dissociation to it. And Max has been able, or no, 
Yes. Okay. I'm all, wait, who's Max and who's Lee and which one is which? Okay. Because <laughs> we use pseudonyms. In case you're new to the podcast. <laughs> we we, get those we use middle names. <laughs> um, yeah, Max has started to notice it in me, actually. And he'll, I think what happened, I'll talk about the camping in a second, but couple of weeks ago he I think I, my eyes had glazed like I forget what we were talking about but something happened and my eyes had glazed over and I had blinked for like three minutes and he was like are you dissociated Where did right now go? and I was like oh yeah I think I am I think I am wow because you don't know you know no. and it's it's weird it's hard to imagine that that could be happening but you're just like clueless yeah that <laughs> so yeah I got triggered I raised my, I came back, woke him up, raised my hand and was like, I'm, ha- I'm in a trauma response. And yeah, I think he sat up, was like, can I hold you? Do you want some grounding? What do you need? And, and for me, I think there's something really powerful about just naming it, um, just recognizing it, observing it from the outside and being able, someone has to be able to say I'm in a trauma response and that person is observing the response mm-hmm. as opposed to being in it. Um, and that alone kind of starts the separation process from, for me, from being deeply in the response where I would, um, I mean, I used to do a lot of things while dissociated. Like, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Like, my dissociated state can be very loud and chatty and talkative and I can yell and scream and throw shit. And like, you know, it can be very, yeah. it's not like, oh, I'm dissociating. I'm like spacing out. It's like, some other force has taken over me. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, Bez is no longer running the show. Yeah. Some other protective version has come yeah. in and it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think naming it kind of helps me get distance from it, helps me loosen, helps me not be inside of it anymore and helps me get outside of it. And it helps me accept it too. I mean, it sounds again, kind of, I wish that there was like something that I had done in that moment that really, um, shifted it, but I think it's a, it was a slow process of like de-escalating my system. Um, and that went by naming it and then accepting it and being like, I have trauma. I have trauma that comes up when I get to a level of intimacy with someone. And that is just part of being with me. You know, that's part of me being in intimate relationships. That's, that's going to change slowly. And it is, but it still happens. Yeah. And I think there's something about that's okay, that then it could be like we cuddled under the blanket, or I don't know, we cuddled, but I think I was sitting up and sort of cuddling myself under the blanket and just being like, you kind of got to, for me at least, but I, I don't know if there's a better strategy someone can tell us, but <laughs> kind of ride it out, but not like white knuckle it, just be more like, I'm going to breathe, you know, I'm going to get some touch if that feels good, sometimes I don't want to be touched, sometimes I do, um, you know, I'm going to kind of like let the cascade slow down. Yeah. And sort of leave my system um, and come back to reality. I remind myself that, you know, I'm here. You can look around, like, look at colors, look at shapes, you know, try to just anchor in the present moment. But I think, like, the shame is, mm. you know, the shame about it is just as bad as the trauma response. Absolutely. And that, um, you know, I had another trauma response come up a couple nights ago. I don't think we have time to go into it, but... I did, I did go into another one that was, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to, how to talk about it without saying the whole story, but basically the next day after it happened, um, it was late at night and Max came and crawled into bed with me and I did get to tell to him, I think I'm totally dissociated right now. And yeah, in that moment too, he just held me and was kind of like, was there anything you need? And I was like, no, just helps to tell you. And, you know, just kind of be in yeah. my own, be in my own experience and have his company, not have him leave, not have him be mad at me, all this stuff. And not have to fix it. We just not have to, to fix it, yeah. It. Then the next day I was talking to a friend and I was really proud of myself that like, they were like, you know, are you going to the shame spiral? Because they understand this issue too, very intimately. And that can be just as bad. It's like, oh I went into gosh. a trauma response. Maybe I did a thing like, you know, didn't wasn't able to name it quickly enough and acted out a little bit, which could be, again, any number of things. Yelling at someone, self-harm, you know, I used to throw things a lot, slam doors, like just make a big, right. rough, make, make like enough, enough of a scene as I could to try to, you know, push someone away or get safe or whatever. Um, 
so maybe I did some of those behaviors and then the shame cycle the next day is just as bad because you're just like beating yourself up for something you literally can't control. Yeah, there's one thing that you said to me a while ago when I was in a, I think had some trauma response and because um, yeah, I, I immediately, it's, I'm embarrassed, I'm afraid that I've now they're going to run away, yeah. you know, like the whole story of like, because this is, yeah, I don't want to identify. Um, and you, you said something like when someone, you're like, I'm a mom. If someone's dating me, yeah. they have to be able to accept that I'm a mom. That's a, that's a, like a part of me that doesn't change. Can't it's just, change. just who I am. Yeah. It's just, that's just the package. And then you said, and I have trauma. Yeah. That's just part of who I am that doesn't change. And if that, if you can't work with that, then we can't be together. Right. This is, and, and just like the way you like matter of fact, like stated mm-hmm. that, I was like, yeah, like I get to just like be all of me. Yeah. And own it. And then, like, if you can't handle that, that's, that's, that's fine. But you go, you have to go do you. Cause I, this is just who I am. And if I have to shrink and hide every time this comes up, yeah, like that, that is going to hurt me more. Yeah. And so even this week when I was <laughs> in my dissociative, like, I just remember thinking that like, cause I had that moment of like, oh crap, now he's going to, I'm too much. And this is crazy. And doesn't make sense. And he's going to run away. And I'm like, I don't know. Like this is, this is just a part of who I am and we either both need to learn how to love all of me or this can't work and that that I think just gives it spaciousness and that's kind of what I hear too like you saying what you you did is like just being able to call it out acknowledge it and give it spaciousness for it to do what it needs to do to move through you instead of having to fix it having to stop it even having to cuddle its way out like sometimes that doesn't even you know sometimes that doesn't yeah resonate especially when you're right. not connected in reality Sometimes and you need to go drink tea and chain smoke even when you're not a smoker <laughs> which is another one of my strategies oh my that was this week i was like i just need a glass of whiskey and a cigarette and i think i'll be fine it's so funny because previous freya that would have been a really reasonable yeah, solution but right totally. now i'm like no i don't drink or smoke but i think that's so yeah and maybe that's a nice place to end is like it is so important for me and that has been such a huge move to know like I am who I am and I'm an ever-evolving being also but I do have a history that's unchangeable you know it's not that it can't be healed but it isn't changeable just like you know I might and the age I am I have children I live in a certain location whatever it is um and I think that the more that I'm able to not in a fuck you way, because it's easy to get fuck you about this right and say well if you can't handle me yeah fuck you you know (laughs) like And then, and it's also easy to then collapse the other direction and say, like you were kind of going into like, I'm too much, I'm too much for anyone, you know? And it's, and neither of those is true. Um, And I think that it's so important to find that middle ground of like, I am who I am, I'm growing and evolving. And if it's too much for you, that's okay. It might be too much for someone. And I think I've actually found a lot of peace in knowing that for certain people, I am too much. Like I'm a lot. You know, yeah, in many ways. I love you a lot. No. Yeah. And people that like me and like that and are drawn to that, they want to be near me and they want to be in relationship with me. And people who don't, don't have to. That's just so great. You know, it's like we don't have to it's like. So no one, freeing. Everyone doesn't have to like us. And like that is so liberating for me because I think there's, yeah. that can be another trap of attachment issues, especially anxious attachment, which is like. I think I'm too much. I'm too much for anyone. I'm too much. And they want people to tell them they're not too much. And it's like, well, sometimes you are, you know, like to me, that's way more liberating than thinking I would never be too, I am too much for some people. And some people are too much for me, you know, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want their set of issues in my life. Right. It's just not something that I'm interested in. It's not safe for me. It's just, it's just not what I want, you know, and that that's okay. I feel like that's a really important piece of this, of infinite relating. It's just like that self-awareness of like, yeah. So I'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me. Yeah. And that, and that is really okay. We can both be awesome. Again, neither of us are wrong. Yeah. We're just, this is just who we are. And we're at this stage in our life. We're like, I just want to find the people who resonate and we get to play together. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Yay. For forever and ever. <laughs> Infinitely. Happily ever after. <laughs> Happily ever after with myself and whoever wants to play <laughs> at that, at that time. time. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're not part of our Facebook group, go check it out, Infinite Relating Podcast. We post on there. We have conversations. We'd love to hear your questions or reactions to this episode. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, chat with us. And we, and when we get when we get some questions, we'll start to bring them on here as well. So 
And we have a website, infiniterelating.love. We do. It has some blog posts And we're on teaching there. our first workshop. Oh, my gosh. That's right. I know. We're Infinite teaching at the Harvest debut. Fusion Festival, which is in Northern California. We'll, yeah, we'll get some more um, concrete links so you can buy tickets if you want to come. It's awesome partner dance festival. Lots of amazing workshops on all kinds of things. I know some of the other facilitators do other relationship issues, repair, connection, sexuality, Plus, like, partner dance and, like, technical dance classes. Yeah. And Lots it's a of sm- saucy nighttime Ooh, fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's really a small, excited. it's a fun, smaller, on, like, a permaculture farm. Yeah. yeah. It was just, it was a really great festival last yeah, year. Yeah, I think so it's about 150 to... people. So, yeah. yeah. October, it's, like, second weekend in October, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have more details next episode. Well, Thanks, everyone. Bye. Take good care of yourselves. We love you. <laughs> we love your trauma. Oh, we do. We do. Makes it real. Thanks for listening to the show. Hang out with us more at infinite relating.love and stay infinite.